This is our seventh episode of Foundations of Christian Hedonism, in which we address argument number six, supporting this claim, which we built on Psalm 1611. Christian Hedonism affirms that it is the God-given duty of all people to pursue the fullest and longest pleasure, fullest and longest pleasure, namely pleasure in God. Or as Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. And I'm arguing it's our duty to walk on paths that God makes known to us. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, this is where the path leads, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So forever corresponds to longest and fullness corresponds to fullest. And I'm arguing that's a duty. Argument number six goes like this. We should pursue full, this is our duty, we should, duty, obligation, demand. We should pursue full and lasting satisfaction in all that God is for us in Christ because, here comes the argument, because such satisfaction severs the root of boasting and self-pity. Boasting is pride in those who win. Self-pity is pride. It doesn't always look like it, but it is. In those who lose. So, sometimes we get gain, and if we're proudful, we boast. And sometimes we lose, loss, we experience loss. And if we're proudful, we mope with self-pity and try to draw attention to how many sacrifices we have made. Oh, poor us. So both of these are pride, and my argument is if we have this kind of full and lasting satisfaction in all that God is for us in Christ, the root of both forms of pride is severed. Now let me show you two passages from which I draw that. Mark 10, 23, the rich young ruler Jesus, when he turns away and will not surrender his possessions, Jesus says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And of course, the disciples are blown away by that, shocked. They were exceedingly astonished. And they said to him, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible. Salvation is not going to happen if, if you're left to yourself. But not with God. For all things are possible with God. Now, that's the end of Jesus' words up to this point. And he says, P Peter's thinking, whoa, well then, what about us? Because we're not rich. 
Here's what he says. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. And in view of what's coming, I can't help but hear some self-pity here. You, you have to decide whether you think that impression is right in view of this. So I think he's saying something like, Well, we've left everything and followed you. We've really made sacrifices. Here's Jesus' response. Truly I say to you, Peter, all of you, no one who has left houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands, you can leave everything for my sake in the gospel. And look what happens. Not self-pity. Who will not receive a hundredfold in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers. And the fact that he says mothers shows you he's not talking merely in literal terms. Like, hey, you leave your house, you're going to get a hundred houses. You, li- you give up a dollar, you're going to get a hundred dollars. This is a good investment. That's not what he means. When he says houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, he means All things are yours, and they're coming to you eventually, and you will find in the church that all your needs are met. And, of course, it's coming with persecutions, and to top it all off in the age to come, eternal life. So what's the point of Jesus' response? Isn't the, the point to say, Peter, it doesn't honor me when you treat choosing me over Everything, father, mother, children, land, brothers, sisters, choosing me to give the impression you've made a big sacrifice. Like, oh, well, they were really valuable and you're sort of valuable. Or they were valuable and you're valuable, so it's tit for tat. No, he's saying, look, if you leave everything and choose me, you get a hundredfold now, eternal life with me in the future, and of course, persecution's on the way there. So my point is, if you are deeply satisfied in Jesus as your all, you, you won't talk this way. You won't give the impression, oh, it sure is a heavy thing to follow Jesus. No, no. It's like that parable hidden in a field. He's worth everything. You haven't made any big sacrifice. So that's how it, it kills or several, severs the root of self-pity. What about boasting? Here's 1 Corinthians 3.21. So let no one boast in men. Why? Because, Christians, if you wake up, all things are yours. Like, they're boasting in, I've got, I've, got the, I've got the best teacher, Paul, Cephas, Apollos. Mine's better than yours. <laughs> and Paul says, good grief. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Wake up and stop boasting 
Isn't that an amazing argument against boasting? <laughs> the pride of this boast here is rooted in a failure to be satisfied with this, blown away by this, full of hope and joy and delight and amazement at this. That's the problem. That's the problem. All things are yours. Stop boasting in men. Be satisfied with all that I am for you in Christ. So, I argue you should pursue full and lasting satisfaction in all that God is for us in Christ because such satisfaction severs the root of boasting, which is pride in us when we gain, when we win, and it severs the root of self-pity, which is pride in us when we think we've made a big sacrifice. That's a powerful argument for why we should pursue our full and lasting satisfaction in God. And here's one closing quote from David Livingstone, the missionary to Africa. He was addressing the students of Cambridge University in 1857, and here's what he said. For my own part, I have never ceased to rejoice that God has appointed me to such an office namely missionary to Africa. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. And here's his response, just like Jesus responding to Peter. Is that a sacrifice which brings its own best reward in healthful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter, Away with the word, namely the word sacrifice. Away with the word in such a view and with such a thought. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather, it is privilege. Sure, anxiety, sickness, suffering, danger, with a foregoing of common conveniences and charities of life, they may cause us, cause the spirit to waver, but... Let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall be revealed in and for us. I never made a sacrifice. <laughs> oh, God bless your memory, David Livingstone, and may the Lord give us such a profound satisfaction in Christ that no matter what we sacrifice, we all say, I never made a sacrifice. <laughs>